You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that al. So I think the biggest thing that I wanted to start off with is um, I don't know what's going to happen with Tavon Austin. I don't know if he's going to play. I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know if he's just doing punt returns, if he's going to be doing kick returns. I don't know if he's going to be swerving Irvin. I don't know if he's going to be a great player, a minor contributor, or a waste of time. What I do know is that we have the best quarterback in football. We've got the best wide receiver in football. We've got one of the best tackles in football. We've got one of the best centers in football, assuming he plays. We've got a great running back. We've got one of the best corners in football. We've got a young, talented, ascending pass rush, promising linebacker, and a couple safeties that are trying to do their best impression of the best safety duo in football. So I'm not super worried about Tavon Austin. I wouldn't mind a little bit here or there to help try to add a little something. We can add as much as we want to add. But this team's already 8-3, and three, and what I don't want to do, and I feel like we're starting to turn a corner, but it was starting to worry me for a while, and I made a note to talk about it, but I never did. I don't want us to fall for the fraud argument again. And we were doing that for a while. All right, after we lost to Tampa, we kind of started down this real negative path. And look, the season's not over, right? I mentioned how I wanted to break the curse last week. The similarities between the 2020 Green Bay Packers and the 2002 New Orleans Saints, and how they went from being 7-3 and three to missing the playoffs. And the very next game, both teams faced a 5-5 five and five team. The Saints lost, we won. And we won in glorious fashion, 41-25. to 25. There's no saying what's going to happen, but when you look at the schedule, the Eagles, the Lions, the Panthers, the Titans, and the Bears, you feel fairly good about it. But still, after that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, which was brutal, 10-38 to 38 is rough. I've talked several times about how it happens to just about everybody, with the exception, I guess, of the Chiefs and this year the Steelers, because they haven't lost a single game yet. But good teams getting annihilated is a regular thing, especially this year. But we went on to beat the Texans, and then we lost to the Vikings, and then people really started to spiral out of control. And then we annihilated the 49ers, barely beat the Jaguars, and that wasn't good. And, and it, we're kind of getting into that nothing-is-good-enough territory, which I think is even worse than last year. But the worst part is, and I don't again, I don't know if we're still there. After beating the Colts as badly as we did... I feel like we were, the Bears, excuse me, the Bears as badly as we did. I feel like we've shaken it a bit, but we were getting into that territory of no matter what happens, the Packers aren't good enough. They can't beat a real team. They're only beating up on garbage teams. Ba 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 ba. And we went through this all of last year where the Packers would win, the Packers would lose, but for the most part, they won. But even after they won, we didn't feel good about it. Beat the Giants 31 13, yeah, but. Beat Washington 20 to 15, that was just an abomination. Beat the Bears 21-13, that's not good enough. Beat the Vikings 23 to 10, beat the Lions 23 to 20, it's just not good enough. And then when the Packers lost in the playoffs, that was seen as some kind of vindication or proof. See, they're not that good. 
That's just that's nonsense. Everybody lost in the playoffs slash Super Bowl that even made it there, with the exception of the Chiefs. That doesn't prove they're frauds. It doesn't prove they're garbage. And I feel like we, for the most part, learned that lesson. Now, I've already said that there was something not quite perfect about this Green Bay Packers team. I don't know if fraud is the right word or not. But I just, I don't want to go down that same path of looking at a team that is similarly talented, is going to win a ton of games. 13-3 and three is possible. But even if it's 12-4, and four, even if it's 11-5, and five, that's a good football team. And I just, I don't want to deal with it anymore. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to, I don't want to hear anymore about fraud. The team is what it is. Sometimes it's really, really good. Sometimes it's really, really bad. It has a chance to win a Super Bowl, but probably won't. That's the case for every single football team that has a shot. The only other option is teams that have no chance, that are already eliminated from the playoffs. I would also like to remind you that last year, although the defense was ranked higher, it was the ninth best defense in football via points. Right now, the Packers are 15th. That's not that big of a difference. And again, I do think it's getting better. And that's just points. In terms of yards, the Packers are actually better this year on defense. We were 18th in yards last year allowed. We're 13th this year. You know what the big difference is? Last year, the Green Bay Packers offense was ranked uh, 15th in points. 15th. 18th in yards. You know what they are this year right now, right? They're the number one offense in terms of points, number four in yards. That's a massive... So in other words, the defense is different but not all that different they're giving up a little bit more yards excuse me they're giving up a little bit more points i guess it's somewhat substantial we're talking the difference between let's see last year was about 19.6 if we rounded up to 20 this year about 25 it's fairly substantial difference i guess let me put this a little bit differently because i'm, I'm not necessarily saying this year is is a better year than last year But what do you think is easier to fix, slash, which team would you bet on going forward? The 15th-ranked offense and the 9th-ranked defense, or the number one offense and the 19th-ranked defense? Let's say your goal was to get your defense into the top, uh, top 15, back to what last year's defense was. Is that easier than getting your offense into the top three? Of course it is. The defense can get that much better relatively easily. Essentially, if the Packers just stay on the same trajectory they're already on, and if guys don't get hurt, and if guys don't start regressing, Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary had bad week, a bad week last week. Jair, has, his grades have not been great. I know his stats have not really been all that much worse. We don't want to see that, but I, I, it, just, it just seems strange to me that we feel like this is a worse team, and I don't really see it, especially when we're talking about Super Bowl. There was nothing really about last year that screamed Super Bowl. The offense in particular was wildly inconsistent. This is the most dominant offense we've seen since 2011, and we just we just act like it's not that good. We scream about how much we need guys like Tavon Austin to help us. We need guys like Will Fuller to help us. I, dude, I don't I don't know how many different ways I can say number one offense in football right now. And again, that's after facing some of the stiffest defenses in all of football: the Chicago Bears, the Indianapolis Colts, the New Orleans Saints. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, those are four of the top five defenses in football. The, the uh, Chiefs have faced the Bucks. that's about it. They haven't faced the Bears, they haven't faced the Colts, they haven't faced the, the Saints, they haven't faced Pittsburgh, they haven't faced Washington, they haven't faced the Rams. I'm just going down the list of the best defenses. So again, it's, it's like I said, it's all about improvement. It's really just about we want to see progress. We want to see the Packers beat the the Eagles, of course, and we'd love to see an annihilation. 
right? Because teams that don't just win, they, they brutalize teams, probably are better teams, which means they probably have a better chance of, of winning a Super Bowl, which is true. But really, uh, what I want to see is health, consistency, and growth. Health, as in nobody gets hurt, consistency largely from our offense and from our playmakers, and growth from the guys that are either flickering, right, we see an occasional thing here or there, or guys like Darnell Savage who have never really been all that great but have had three really good games in a row that are really starting to flash. You want to see that consistency. You want to see guys like Rashawn not have terrible days, right, stay up. We're just starting to brag on you a little bit. We're just starting to pump you up and say we're ready for you to take over for Preston. You get a bunch of snaps and you fall off. You can't be doing that stuff. Zadarius, we'd like to see more consistency from Zadarius. Kenny Clark, again, same thing. We didn't see anything all year. Finally, he's starting to step up. We're starting to brag on him a little bit. Here we go. Finally, we're getting some Kenny, and then he falls off again. Can't be doing that stuff. right? Kamal Martin, I want to believe in him. I really want to be- believe that he can be the next, I mean, not next great linebacker as compared to who for the Packers. But he can be a, a solid contributor for our defense, a linebacker that, that really is a solid player that we just haven't had. But I don't know. It's been, what, four games, three games? I think I think three out of five have been really, really good. And it, just, it again, it's like the war analogy. So you get all these different cars, and some guys are going to have bad days. That That's just a reality. For every team, that's going to be the case. Every week for every team, that's going to be You're going to have guys that have bad days. You're going to have good players that have bad days. But the more good players you have and the more consistent they are, the less good players have bad days, right? If you have a, a guy that, that's overall like an 85 that has one, like Devontae, I don't know if he's had a bad day this year. He, he will have a bad day at some point in his career. I don't know if he's had a single bad grade this year, right? He's very good and he's very consistent. Aaron Rodgers is very good and largely consistent, although he has one or two days where he just completely falls off. Then you have guys like Kenny where he has two good games a year apparently that's not good enough when he's good he can be real good but for some reason the last two years he's really struggled to find that consistency I don't know if it's a change in pet and scheme I don't know if it's getting rid of Mike Daniels because that I think that was around the same time that all of a sudden he's not the best defensive tackle in football meaning be nice to get him a little bit of help on the inside as opposed to just bringing Zadarius on the inside as a, as a pass rusher or whatever um, to bring another guy that can that can garner some double teams that inspires a little bit of fear, man, that'd be critical. Just finding the next Mike Daniels, really, really excited about that, about the possibility of that. But anyways, I just I just wanted to bring that up because I didn't want to lose focus. I don't want to lose focus of some of the best players in all of football because of somebody like Tavon, which is nothing more than a, a drop in the bucket, right? It's throwing a pail of water into the ocean. No offense to Tavon, it's just I, we're, we're talking about the best offense in football. But I also don't want to lose sight of the fact that this is a very good football team. Anyways, with that, why don't we look at our football team and see what the injury report looks like. It actually looks really good. This is probably the smallest amount of people on the list that I've seen in a very long time. The only uh, guy that didn't practice is Corey Lindsley. Do not expect him to play this week. In fact, we know he's not going to play this week. He's out for, uh, what is it, three to six weeks. So he's the only one. Not to say he's the only one that won't play, but he's the only one that didn't practice. Did have several limiteds. Uh, Chris Barnes, linebacker, Tyler Irvin, Josh Jackson, Kevin King, Alan Lazard, Mercedes Lewis, Lucas Patrick, Darnell Savage, J.K. Scott, Equinemius St. Brown, um, and then a couple full participations, Jair and Will Redmond. We'll see as we get a little bit closer what happens with these injuries. Obviously, sometimes things crop up in the middle of the week, but as of right now, it's looking like a very, very healthy team with the exception of Corey Lindsley. 
Now, on the Eagles side, you've got uh, only four guys on the entire list, but two of them didn't practice, including Fletcher Cox. I'm sure you all know the name Fletcher Cox. He has been a consistent, dominant player for the Philadelphia Eagles for a long time. This is not uh, his best year by a long shot. In fact, it's one of his worst um, basically since 2013. So it's definitely a down year as it is for most of the Eagles. He still had some real dominant years, but it's very similar to Kenny Clark. I mean, he's he has some a couple dominant performances, but for the most part, it's average to subpar. And he's kind of averaging out as a good player, but the reality of it is most of his games are not good games. So I'll, I'll run through the numbers just so you get an idea. 64, 82, 86, 67, 54, 64, 77, 50, 60, 60, 70. All right, so most of the time it's kind of average to below average with, a, with th- basically three good games mixed in. So he's struggling. Uh, 34 pressures on 342 attempts, which is just a hair below 10%. That's not good, man. He does have seven sacks, so it's it's one of those things that's inflated. You're going to hear how great Fletcher Cox is, similar to the reason that a lot of people are saying Zadarius is one of the top pass rushers. Again, I don't think that's true. His pressures are way down. His, his grades are down. Um, he is going up, which is a great thing. But again, it's largely just people looking at sacks and saying, look how great this person is. Same reason why Khalil Mack is not getting as much love and respect as he deserves. Um, his pressures and his grades and his run defense and all that is through the roof. He just doesn't have quite as many sacks as he usually does because people are just obsessed with that one stat, mostly because that's all people can see. I have the luxury of being able to see beyond that. Um, and so you, you're, it, it's, it's kind of twofold, right? It's sim- similar to Akeem Hicks. He's not the player that he was, but if they don't have Fletcher Cox, that is a major loss for the Eagles. Both of those things are true. Uh, he currently has a neck injury. I don't exactly know his status or whether or not he's expected to play. The other injury is to Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford has uh, played basically one snap. This Not basically, it's literally been one snap this year, so that's not uh, not as big of a deal. And then the two other guys on here, TJ Edwards, the uh, Wisconsin linebacker who went to the Eagles. He is limited with a hamstring injury. Uh, TJ has played a decent amount. He's actually taken a pretty big step backwards. It was one of those things where there was a relatively small sample size last year, but he graded out as one of the better linebackers in football. So it was kind of kind of worrying. He's played already almost three times as many snaps this year as he did last year, but he had an 83 overall grade, 90.4 run defense grade, 86.1 tackling grade. Not very good in coverage, but it's, you know, you kind of wonder if he's going to be like a, you know, what a, a typical Packers linebacker that actually produces. AJ Hawk, Blake Martinez, they're good tacklers, good against the run, can't do much else. But this year, he's kind of regressed down to what you expected from the undrafted free agent out of Wisconsin, um, which is to say he's maybe average at best. And then you have Zach Ertz with an ankle injury. It's another big name that you know, but a guy that has completely fallen off. Um, you know, And when I say completely, I mean completely. I mean, granted, his, his peak, I mean, he was really, really good from 2013 to 2015. He had that first flicker in 2016 where it wasn't quite as good. 2017, he had a little bit of a bounce back, and then he kind of stayed down. So it was like very good for three years, and then it was just kind of good, and then it was back to very good. And then two years after that, it was just good again. So he's just kind of, you know, good, not great. This year, has he has not had a single good game all year. His best game graded out as a 65. So at 30 years old, he just has officially hit a wall. And that's why when there were rumors that the Packers were reaching out to guys like Zach Ertz in a possible trade, I wasn't really excited about it. It's one of those big names, 
that you you hope can come over here and is only struggling because the Eagles are struggling. And if he can just get into a better environment, he'll really thrive. And that's entirely possible. But for our purposes today, he's 30 years old. He has not had a single good game all year. He's been injured all year. Hasn't played since week six. Um, it's just It's just not been very good. His lowest grade prior to this year was a 70.9. His grade currently is a 59.6. So we'll see if he comes back. But the, the bottom line is, as far as their injury report, Fletcher Cox is clearly the uh, the biggest name on this list and a guy that's still a solid contributor. Again, he's, he's having a down year, but we're talking about a down year for an elite, elite player. It's similar to Akeem Hicks. Again, I think Akeem Hicks is a little bit overrated, but man, what he does, he does well. And the absence of Akeem Hicks, the absence of Fletcher Cox is going to be really noticeable because the drop-off from Fletcher down to you know Malik Jackson or whatever, it's a big drop-off. Hassan Ridgeway. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, the, the Eagles' defense isn't terrible, and they are what they've always been, and that is a really good defensive line. Um, the Eagles are one of the teams that I've said that Mike Pettin is trying to emulate in that it's all about defensive line strength. I remember them when the Eagles had four elite defensive linemen, as in a defensive end, defensive tackle, defensive tackle, defensive end. The front four guys were elite, and they went out and got Michael Bennett. Right? It just, It's just... It didn't really make any sense in my mind. Why in the world are you going out and paying a guy like Michael Bennett? You've already got four elite defensive linemen. That would be like last year when you have Preston and Zadarius, and let's say we had Kenny and and Mike Daniels, and all of them were at their best. And we went out and got uh, Jadavian Clowney. I mean, you're not going to be mad about it, but it's like, dude, of of all the things, of all the things we didn't need, an edge rusher was one of them. But again, this is a similar philosophy um, in that it all starts up front, and, and dominating up front is everything. And the Eagles have been very good at that for quite a while. Again, they're, they're not what they were, clearly. I mean, it's largely the same guys. Um, they've got Derek Barnett, who they drafted. That's been somewhat of a disappointment. They've got Brandon Graham, who's still doing it off the edge, still a dominant football player. He's 32 years old. Um, he's not at his peak. I mean, his peak was about 2016. But he's on a slow, gradual decline, and it is very slow and gradual. So from a 91.4 in 2016 to an 84.5 this year, which is still dominant, um, very, very good football player. you got Fletcher Cox in the middle, and then they've kind of got a hole after that. Right now they've currently got John uh, Javon Hargrave. He's having a big, big down year. But um, it's still a relatively scary front, but it's, 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 it's devolving. It's, it's one of those sad things that you see as a football fan where you see pure dominance, right? They had one of the best offensive lines and defensive lines in football. The offensive line is falling apart. The defensive line is falling apart. And when they lose that identity, you see the whole team fall apart, right? There isn't that. I mean, you still got Wentz and Ertz and Goddard. And a lot of the stuff stayed the same. But, man, you lose that offensive line, that dominant elite offensive line, the offense crumbles. You lose that dominant elite defensive line, and things start to fall apart. So... We're getting a little bit away in terms of time, so I'm going to take a break here, and we'll just kind of pick up where we left off, I guess, but I want to slide this in real quick. Uh, make sure you join the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. Cheese and Packers is our other Facebook page, by the way. It's growing rapidly. Um, I'm actually promoting the other the Packernet page a lot more, but Cheese and Packers is basically outpacing it because people are just joining it, I think, naturally because it just pops up in the search organically, if you will. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, number one best possible way you could do that would be to spread the word. Get the word out. Let the people know. Let your friends know. Let your family know. Let your Twitter followers know. Your your Facebook friends and family know. 
Reddit, Facebook groups, Instagram. Any way you can help get the word out would be greatly appreciated. If people listen and they don't like it, that's fine. I just don't want people to not know about it. That's my whole thing. I know there's a lot of people that can't stand me. Makes sense. It's a pretty... It's, it's, I've set myself up to be sort of a, a, a love me or hate me kind of a guy, and that's just, i got to live with that. But that's all right, I'm having fun. But again, as long as people know and choose not to listen, I'm good with it. But the people need to know. Otherwise, if you'd like to support me more directly, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy would be greatly, greatly appreciated. As I've already said, um, if everybody listening to this gave $1, I would be... I'm probably at about a point where I would need to have a conversation with my wife about possibly doing this full time. So I would ask that you please consider that. It's just a dollar. It's a dollar a month. There is a link in the description of the show. If you don't like Patreon, there are some other options, but uh, the monthly aspect of Patreon is, is sort of a, a benefit. And there is actually a way that you can pay for the year and it's uh, discounted or whatever if you'd like to do that. And most of the people, once I did that, decided to start doing that. So I didn't think people would like that, but apparently they do. So that is an option. I know I'm a ways out from ever being able to quit, but I'd like to keep making progress in that direction if at all possible. So thank you all for your support. Really do appreciate that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so continuing on with sort of our distant um, preview, I don't want to get too involved because I don't usually even do previews at this time. One of the things that people are concerned about is the fact that the Eagles weren't good last year, but yet they beat us last year. Um, and I've been saying that that they had sort of that formula that works against the Packers, and that is to have a real scary defensive front, number one, but then offensively, which is the primary way they beat us. It was 27-34, so it wasn't that bad on offense, although it could have been better. But the biggest thing they also had was that really good offensive line and a run game. One thing, I, the, the first thing I'd like to highlight, again, the offensive line is not quite as good as it used to be. It's still got some great pieces, but um, the first thing I'd like to highlight is that this is not exactly the same team. Um, at this point, the Philadelphia Eagles are 3-7-1. and one. By this time last year, they were 5-6. and six. They ended the season 9-7 and seven last year. The Eagles have yet to get their fourth win 
um, the Eagles had their fourth win by week eight of last year. One of the other real big differences, and I think it's because they're losing a lot, but the Eagles ran the ball a lot last year. They were seventh in rushing attempts, 11th in rushing yards. This year, 28th in attempts, 13th in yards. Now, yards per attempt, they're third, so they're doing a good job running when they can run the ball, but the issue is they're throwing a ton. See, now I'm, I'm getting into, I don't want to get too far into how to beat them, but it's kind of it's kind of self-explanatory at this point. They're, they're third in yards per attempt rushing. They're 32nd in net yards per attempt passing. They actually rush. This has got to be the only team in football. They run for more yards than they pass on a attempt-by-attempt attempt basis. On average, when they run the ball, they get five yards. On average, when they pass the, the ball, they get 4.8. That's, that's very, very unheard of. So, it's, I mean, it's pretty obvious where we're going with this. You want them to pass the ball. Now, they don't want to pass the ball, but they have been for most of the year. And, and again, my assumption is that's because they're playing from behind. And that also probably factors into their success running the ball. If you're playing from behind, teams are going to switch over into dime defense. They're not going to be playing the run very often. So when you run the ball, you're going to have more success. I'd be willing to bet they're not getting five yards per attempt in the first quarter. Well, Turns out I'm wrong. I looked it up. That's not the case. <laughs> okay, so they run the ball well. Miles Sanders is averaging, what does that say, 6.8 yards per attempt in the first quarter. Boston's got 5.2 yards per attempt in the first quarter. So, there you go. The, the fact remains, make them throw the ball. And so really, again, since we're already delved into this um, more than I wanted to, maybe the most important thing is that the offense gets off to a really hot start. The offense has been very good at basically in the first half, first whatever, racking up a bunch of points. They need to do that again. The Packers have reached the mid-20s against dominant defenses the last two weeks in a row. The Eagles haven't reached the mid-20s since week six, and that's through four quarters. Uh, Week seven, they reached 22 points, then 23. The last three weeks in a row, they've reached 17 points total. Now, the defense has definitely stiffened. They've allowed, in that same period... uh, 21, 9, 27, 22, and 23. 23 this past week against the Seahawks, which, you know, I think is a good offense. I don't even know what they are anymore. The Cleveland Browns have put up some big points this year, but again, neither of them was able to, to really dominate this defense. So that's that's really going to be the biggest thing in my mind. I don't expect the Packers to slow down the rushing attack, which is actually still very successful. They just don't do it very often. I don't expect this terrible passing offense to be able to pass all that well against this defense. And so we, we just have to continue the trend. The Eagles are losing because teams are forcing them to throw, and they really, really stink at throwing the football. I mean, real, worst in, worst in all of football, period. So it's a home game. Here's another thing that seems maybe a little bit weird, but I haven't heard anybody else mention it, and I forgot to mention it. This Packer game was probably the best game we've seen since, you know, the first three weeks. It was also the first home game that had fans there. And I know there was almost no fans, but we've heard consistently how big of a difference that makes and how much they miss fans. I just can't help but wonder if if just that little bit of screaming and cheering made a difference. Being at home with fans, you know, a couple go pack, go chants, a couple signs against the Bears, it just really started to feel real. Beyond that, let me underscore one other very important thing, and and maybe I'll just end with this. Because, again... Really kind of an important point. What did we talk about after that Colts game that I found extremely interesting? Go back and I think the episode was the Packers will win the Super Bowl. If you didn't listen to it, go back and listen to it. It was on November 25th. Pretty sure that was the episode. The, the, the point was the similarities 
between Aaron Rodgers' comments and the Run the Table comments. Aaron Rodgers came out and said, look, I know we lost to the Colts, but there was something different. There's something different about this team. He talked about how we practice and how we're starting to look and feel like a dominant team. And the whole thing that I said, the whole thing that I wanted to lay out was, I hope he's telling the truth. I hope it's real. We haven't heard this comment in a very long time, right? Remember, Aaron Rodgers doesn't say it and speak it into existence. He's just telling us what happened. And the reason we haven't heard a run-the-table comment is because it just hasn't been there. His job isn't to just pretend it's there and hope that it manifests. That's not the case. Run the table, relax. All that was based on, I'm seeing it and I'm telling you. The time he made that comment about run the table, what he was saying was, look, I know things are bad. I know things are down. I know that game didn't go well, but something clicked in that game. I'm telling you, this is a different football team. We're finally in rhythm. I think we're going to run the table. It felt ridiculous at the time. He said the nearly identical statement. Something clicked. Something changed. Something seems to be much more in rhythm. We saw it against the Chicago Bears, and I didn't even bring it up. Nobody brought it up. Aaron Rodgers told us, this is different. Watch out, because a new, better, improved version of the Packers that you haven't seen yet is about to hit. And what happened? The Packers beat the Bears 41-25. to This is the highest scoring game we've seen since Week 2, and against one of the better defenses in all of football. Yeah, I think we're going to do okay against the Eagles at home. I don't exactly expect things to really start to fall off, pending any serious injuries. Again, they've been working towards something. Same thing that I've been saying, but but from afar. Obviously, I can't see things as up close as Aaron Rodgers, nor would I be able to identify things as well as Aaron Rodgers, even if I were there. But all I've been saying is we got to watch for these certain keys and cues that, that point to this is a team now that can win a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is looking for that same thing, and he's saying it finally clicked, right? You go to practice, and certain things aren't right. The rhythm isn't quite right. The offensive line, the blocking, all this, something's just not quite clicking the way it needs to. And then he told us last week it clicked. And the first game we see after we get the the confirmation from Aaron Rodgers, I saw it, it happened, it clicked, 41-25 to against the Bears. Just thought I'd point that out. Anyways, I'm going to cut it there. Again, relatively short day, but I'm out of time, so... You folks, enjoy your Thursday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.